You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to Clan of Three, a Mash Those Button podcast dedicated to the TV show The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I am your host, Adonar, Kurt Smith, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, as always, I have Corey Treadway. Kurabar, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about this Mandalorian. Now that you all know about us, if you've watched the introduction episode... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have uh, here is uh, a newcomer to the Mash Those Buttons Network. We have Death Squad. Death Squad, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm ready to get to talking some Mandalorian. Okay. So uh, we would like to, first off, welcome any first-time listeners. Um, and if you would like to become part of the Clan of Three community, please join us on Discord over at discord.me slash mash those buttons, where you can meet the hosts and talk the Mandalorian and all things Star Wars and, and just hang out and chit-chat. So this first episode, the first two episodes we're going to have is going to be kind of a review of season one. We're going to do like a review of the first five episodes today. And then the next week, we're going to do the final three and then our predictions for season two. So uh, our, our, we're just going to go episode by episode. So we're first going to jump into episode one, The Mandalorian. Chapter one, The Mandalorian. In The Mandalorian premiere, we meet our titular character as he apprehends a bounty from a cantina on a frozen planet. After bisecting a quarren, he brings his target back to his ship and barely escapes the jaws of a massive beast. On the ship, when his mark gets nosy, we learn that the Mando has a small carbonite freezer on board. He returns to his home to claim his bounties, unloading several carbonite prisoners, and is given an assignment to meet with an Imperial client. He goes and gets the information he needs to track his new mark. The Mandalorian heads off to his next planet and gets stuck fighting some blurgs. An Ugnaught comes along to help him, and then trains him to ride the Blurgs as a mount. The Mandalorian finally gets to his target, but an IG droid is already there to claim their same bounty. They work together and fight through the encampment until they find their quarry, the Child. The Mandalorian shoots the IG droid to claim the bounty for himself. Okay, so we just got a synopsis of The Mandalorian, the first episode. What were your guys' first initial thoughts on this episode? I don't know, man. The first shot, you know, coming into the frozen planet, I thought it was great. And, you know, you get the shot of the bar, you know, the, you know, the green alien, you know, being roughed up. And then, of course, you know, then you get the door open, the Mandalorian, he comes in. And, then, you know, that's a great shot of him standing in the doorway. And, you know, it was... That was, you know, a good way to open up and show you, you know, what he could do. You know, I really enjoyed it. You know, I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just pointed at the TV every time a cameo came up. There were so many people in this one. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, everything about it, especially the, you know, the end, the battle with um, IG-11 was great. And, you know, it was a good introduction to the world. Yeah, for me, I, I enjoyed all the just small little details they had from the actual, like, the first film and the second film in there. Because, like, we literally, and 
even some jokes to the holiday special because when they get there, it's like he's like the uh, blue aliens literally talk about Life Day. It's like just save this for my Life Day, mm-hmm. and then I like how also we once again start. We go to a bar in the first first episode, and someone gets dismembered again. Bars mm-hmm. aren't safe in the Star Wars universe. Right, you, you know it's it's the 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 subtle things that they did in the first episode that you you one hundred percent do not do not notice the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, well, we talked about the cameos, like the 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 initial alien you see, the the, the blue alien. That's Horatio Sands from Saturday Night Live. That one, not so obvious. But then you have the the driver of whatever, the vehicle over the water, Brian Potion. who's a stand-up comic, but all of his stand-up acts involve Star Wars to some degree. Like, he is, like, the diehard of the diehard Star Wars fans. And he they, they got him in there, and his, the, he tweeted out right after the show, first episode launched, he's like, I'm officially part of Star Wars canon. <laughs> like, you, you can't take that away from me. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Uh, going to the cantina set when, and, and this is something I actually had to read about, is the, the it was, the, the bad guy that was that Mandalorian has to beat up in the bar, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know what language he was speaking? Uh, I want to. Can't remember. I usually I usually suspect everything to be Huttese, but I'm not really sure. It is I, the hut. Yep. I thought it was Huttese. I just was could not remember. Yeah. So he's speaking the same language as Jabba the Hut. Like he's he's part of that whole thing. Like it's based on the so, language of gangsters. Yeah, so it's it was a great first episode. You you get to meet the the major players of season one essentially. You know, you get obviously the Mandalorian. Uh, you get Grief Karga, mm-hmm. who is the like the head of the um the guild, basically a group of bounty hunters. He's like the 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 Grand Poobah gives out the orders. You get to meet uh, what's his name. The bad guy who, um, Warner Herzog, um, that's the name of the actual actor, uh, who plays the guy who, who makes the, uh, the client, the client. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you see Dr. Pershing and that is a doctor who is very concerned. Now, this is something I caught live is if you look on Dr. Pershing's outfit, Mm -hmm. he's wearing the this i guess the patch of uh the clones yeah um the, i forgot the, off the top of my head i can't remember the name of the the planet where all the clones were made oh the oh camino camino yeah he's wearing like a patch of camino the planet so yeah. like if you get that and then at the end of the episode you see baby yoda and why he wants him is you're just like okay you can kind of put two and two together like they want to clone him. That makes sense. I didn't catch that the first time. But do you also know what's very special about that doctor? What's it's that? the first time in a live action Star Wars someone's wearing glasses. If you watch any of the films, especially the trilogy, hmm. nobody has eyewear. Nobody has glasses. <laughs> Star Wars, originally Lucas, did not have anybody wear eyewear because it's a different universe. They don't have corrective lenses. 
for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and then we also run into cool, cool, I, cool, cool. Basically, the 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 Ugnat on the oh. the planet he goes to, voiced by Nick Nolte. Uh, the I have spoken guy. That's basically what you have to know. Is I I have spoken guy. The Ugnat actually um, has a speaking lines. Is not just being yeah. killed off or being just forced away. Yeah, or just oinks like a pig, like mm-hmm. they do in Rebels. Uh, so that was voiced by Nick Nolte. And then he runs into to IG-11. And that is voiced by Taiki, Taika Waititi. Yeah. I was also really, directed some episodes. That's very true. I was really glad to see an IG unit because the only time we've seen it in the, in the live action was Empire with IG-88. And he just mm-hmm. stood the corner apparently as yeah, a bounty hunter. Yeah, I'm like, how does a thing like that as a bounty hunter, how is that fighting? How is that doing anything? Then they showed mm. me that fight scene, like, oh shit, I do not want to fight that guy. Dear right? Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, and then, uh, then uh, iconically, the, the episode ends with Baby Yoda. And the iconic scene of, you know, that just brings me back to flashbacks of E.T. Uh, yeah. Like that. And I was Elliot. Uh, I was getting a, uh, you know, little creation of Adam from the Michelangelo painting, almost. Mm-hmm. Although Baby Yoda brings up so many goddamn questions because he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be 50 years old and is still a baby. I'm like, how does your planet work where you can go through that long of a development process? Like, is it that peaceful or are you guys that dangerous? There have been crazier things in the Star Wars universe. Like Force Babies. Well, that's true, but at least Force Baby, he grows like a normal person. He didn't just age like instantaneously into an adult. Yeah, but we don't know anything about this race. They're so rare. That's very true. Like, so, I'm not even sure what plan they come from. Like, that's probably the lore that I've missed, but... Now. So, okay. So that, that's basically uh, episode one, The Mandalorian. This is like the intro, well, the pilot. One part Get we don't want to f- forget about is some of the other parts of the... The stuff because we did meet the Imperials on there and see how they're doing. At least the Imperials mm-hmm. on the fringe world. And mm-hmm. yeah, because this is five years after the original trilogy is when it's supposed to take place. So five years after the Empire gets taken down. Yeah, and the Empire um, is still technically in power right now, but they're trying to hold on to power. Where the ones like we're now we're on the outer rim, so they can't focus on that. So now the troopers are like. In dirty armor, kind of broken, kind of broke. Like the only thing they had it for money was Beskar, which is very, as they show, they're very sacred to the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we also saw the underground Mandalorians, mm-hmm. like the compound and the the where they the armor uh, smith. I, I I guess I don't know what her name is. I don't know if we get to know her name, but okay. we get we get to see that and. It's very rare to have Mandalorian, um, like, Armorsmith, or, like, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, I forgot the name of the actual unit where they make the armor. Uh, it's very rare to find something like that. So, yeah, it's we definitely get to see that. There's a, a lot packed into this episode. Oh, yeah, there's probably, I have, I have, like, intensive notes on stuff going on, and I'm just like, if we could talk, we could talk this for another couple hours. Episode one, you could talk for hours, and then it starts to kind of slow down a little bit because they pack so much into it. So, so let's get on to episode two, the child. Chapter two, the child. 
Episode 2 of The Mandalorian finds him returning home with the child. After being ambushed by Trandoshans, he discovers Jawas have wrecked his ship for salvage. He tries to confront them directly only to be outnumbered, so he seeks out the aid of the Ugnaught from his earlier adventure. They negotiate with the Jawas, who agree to return the ship parts in exchange for the egg of a mud beast. The Mandalorian engages the mud beast and seems to be losing when the child demonstrates that he has force powers and levitates the creature, allowing the Mandalorian to get an easy kill. He returns with the egg and the help of the Ugnaught rebuilds his ship so he can head home. Okay, so in episode two of The Child, we get to see more Baby Yoda. Okay. We get to see, basically, it, it picks up right where it left off in episode episode one. Mm-hmm. Except now it's just the Mandalorian going back to his ship with the baby, where he gets jumped by more bounty hunters. So, I don't know, Death Squad, let's, let's hear, like, episode two. What, what were your thoughts on episode two? Um, it was good. You know, the, like you said, you know, that fight in the canyons with those bounty hunters, you know, that was good. Shows how he, you know, works against multiple enemies. And, you know, and, you know, disintegrates that guy going for Baby Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and really then, cool. you know... Was... Go ahead. Did you notice the one thing that those bounty hunters were using? No. They were using vibro blades from, like, KOTOR. Because their blades are vibrating. And it's one of the weapons they were using to fight against lightsabers. Because you couldn't use regular weaponry against lightsabers and shields. You had to use vibro blades. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Yeah, because like you know, if you look at the way the, the way you look at the knives that even that the, that um the Mandalorian's using, they're vibrating. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that when he got into the the argument with uh Paz Visla or down in the uh, armory. But yeah, you know, there was some good comedy in that with the Jawas. You know, I always find them funny. You know, after they raided that his ship. <laughs> Dear Jesus, they like they destroyed that ship. Like I was like, how long were you gone? Like I don't think you were gone that long, but your ship is trashed. Well, they took everything, right? And the fact that okay, let's can we talk about Mando's gun that yeah. just it just disintegrates people and uses bullets. It's a taser. It uses bullets and it disintegrates people. Mm-hmm. What? What now? And it uses has a taser on it too. Yeah, it's like a little bit of everything. But okay, so it disintegrates it, but not the clothes. I'm guessing it just does bioorganic material, and I guess their outfits are not organic. I'm like maybe. That's I mean, it was it's obviously for show because it's more dramatic to see just like the robes fall, mm-hmm. um, kind of like with with what old Ben did. You know, against Vader, it, it's very, it's very much a more dramatic thing. But come on now, well, it's also let's it's, be it's, realistic. It's, I think it's more of also it's Disney, so they don't show as much of things like exploding or being like just killed as they do normally. I guess that's true. But and then watching him trying to trying to get into the um the the Jawas vehicle, the sand crawler. The sand crawler, but then having the little baby Yoda like slowly following behind them, that was pretty funny. Oh, that was adorable the first the first time before that, where uh, after he got hurt, baby Yoda kept trying to heal him, and he was kind of like, "What are you doing? Get back in your cage! Get back in your cage!" 
Well, you know, you know, get in there. I'm just going to shut this right now. Yep. And he, he doesn't really realize it. This was definitely a slower paced episode. Um, Which I, pr- I appreciate it. Was, yeah, because it was a lot of a lot of time was spent about like him just trying to get his supplies back for his ship. Like a lot went into like the fight at the beginning was fine. And then you had the whole thing with the Jawa, which took up like 70% of the episode. Yeah. And the weird thing I found from the, from there is the sand crawler is usually a vehicle used by Jawas, but the sand crawlers originally were designed for humans and sold to the Jawas. Yet it's still too small for the Mandalorian to stand up in. He bumped his head. I'm like, all right. Hey, this let's is- not go with logic here. Also, like the ship is every part of that ship. Apparently, you can open and throw stuff off. Let's grab all this material, and just throw it at this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then we come to like the the the, the act three that you know the the final act where he's gonna get you know all his his crap back. The egg if he quest. goes and gets yeah. If he goes on the egg against. Uh, the mud horn, essentially a rhinoceros on a different planet. A giant rhino. Giant rhino. Giant. And spoiler, which every, I'm sorry, it's not a spoiler, but everyone knew it was coming. That baby Yoda was going to use the force somehow. Yeah. As soon as you saw baby Yoda, you knew at some point the force was going to get used. So he picked up the rhino. And dropped him. And then the Mandalorian pulled out a tiny effing knife. This this bothered me. He pulled I, out this little tiny effing knife and stabbed him in the side of the neck. And like it went in like probably six inches. And the rhino immediately died. Yeah, he must like, have got an artery. Like, I know it's a vibro blade, so it still cuts really easily. But he still. shot him with a flamethrower and it didn't phase him. And you gotta think, how thick is that hide too? So, what does he actually get in? Maybe like an inch or two into him. Like he's using a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he got lu- he got lucky and got some kind of vital uh, vital artery or something. That's the only thing I can say because unless you do that and stop him there, that thing should have been still kept going. But you could have written anything. Like he go- he goes over, grabs his gun, and shoots it, and that would have been more believable. I agree. Then, like getting like a, a four inch blade in the exact right spot on the side of him, and I just I, I that that annoyed me. That like I know it shouldn't annoy me, but it did. Yeah, I think it was supposed to look cool. Like, look how badass this guy is. He just stabbed the thing, but it's like, yeah. But we just spent a good amount of time watching him get his ass handed to him by this rhinoceros. So mm-hmm. now he found the lucky spot. Thank you, Baby Yoda, for lifting up a drop a little bit. Give him just a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I can stab it. Mm-hmm. And then and then essentially they repair his ship and he leaves. Like, that's the whole episode. Like, none of the rest of the story matters in well, this, this episode no, no. There, other there's than part. the Force. There, there's one more part that you forgot about. What was that? How him and that and the, and the Ergnaut. Rebuilt that entire ship back together. Oh, yeah. We got a nice montage of them. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you were missing is like the 1980s like montage that you would see in movies. Like where it'd be like and it has some great like 80s song that that they would be doing it to. 
Got a montage, montage. Right? But I was just like, you just complained about it, about it not being able to get this shit fixed, and you guys easily put it together. I'm like, by him saying, we'll fix it. I said so. Like, okay, guess because you said. I've spoken. Yes. So, yeah, that's the whole episode. It was a pretty dull episode with one major. Like, this was probably my least favorite episode out of the whole series. I enjoyed the first part where you did the, the sand crawl. That part was entertaining. Yeah. It was just the second half was just, eh, at best. Yeah, I kind of zoned out after that, so it's not too bad. Yeah. So, but anyways, we got more going on. What's next? We, we do. So let's get into the, the next episode. We got Chapter 3, The Sin. Chapter 3, The Sin. Upon returning home, the Mandalorian hands the child over to the Imperial agent that issued the bounty. However, he seems to be struggling with his decision and can't let it go. He takes his Beskar reward to his armorer, who crafts him a new pauldron, and then decides to return to the Imperial base and reclaim the child. He blasts his way through a handful of stormtroopers to rescue the kid, but is stopped from fleeing by Grief Karga, who has called on the entire bounty hunter guild to stop him. Just as the Mandalorian seems trapped, the rest of his Mandalorian clan emerges from hiding to enable him to flee. Okay. So this is where things are getting a little more dramatic. So, like, you know, you have the, the Mandalorian going through that. You can see the struggle in his head of, should I give the, the kid to them or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, it was adorable when he was just playing. Like, he kept getting out on the plane and, and taking the little, uh, like, I don't even know what it was for. He was taking a knob off. Uh, I think like, it was the the novice thing that like turns Lily powers on the ship because he later uses it on to turn the ship off. So mm-hmm. I think if he had hit the wrong thing, he could have turned that ship off and been probably bad when they're flying through space and just you know just sudden ship stop. So uh, Death Squad, uh, talk a little bit about what were your thoughts on this episode? Uh, this was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, just you know, like you said, you know, you see the struggle in him. You know, does he want to keep them, let them have him, Baby Yoda? Then, you know, you know, obviously he goes back and gets him. And I'll tell you, he's like Batman, you know, taking down these stormtroopers. It's like hit him with like fear takedowns. And he's he's got a tactical belt. <laughs> yeah, he's got a tactical belt. <laughs> and it, he's, you know, he's using all those tools and, you know, gets him, gets baby Yoda back and then you know and then he you know disappears with them and yeah. you know I, I really enjoyed it 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 uh, really showed his the turn in his character you know where he you know he doesn't want anything to happen because you know he kind of I think he kind of feels sees a little bit of himself in baby Yoda you know at, at from the flashbacks that you get with him as a kid yeah, when he's yeah. being when he's being attacked by the the Trade Federation droids and his planet yeah. being demolished, so no, no, like never happened to him before, right? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I, I think it was important to note that in the first episode, they made a point to say to to Mando that it was a fifty year old bounty, because I think Mando has it strictly in his like code. He doesn't he doesn't do bounties on children. But they made a point to say this is a 50-year-old, which gives the assumption that it's not a child. Right. When obviously it is a child. 
And I, and I think that's an important dis- dis- depiction. And like, yeah, he he gives a baby to them and they start running tests. But then when he's about to leave, he's like, uh, screw this. And goes back and just decimates them like you had said, Death Squad, with like his tactical belt. And before even all this happens, once he actually gets his bounty of all that best car, he goes mm-hmm. back to the bounty the bounty to the Mandalorian compound and gets his stuff resmelted into some nice, beautiful, shiny armor. And he gets what is that called? Songbirds? Uh whistling birds. Whistling birds. Which is basically like when you're surrounded, hit this button. It's it's the it's the oh shit button. Yeah. It's the Batman, I should hit this button, hit every bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh if you've seen Iron Man two, I think it was, when uh he's when uh, him and War Machine are battling all those droids in the Stark compound and he just uses a laser and rotates and kills all of them in one swoop. Mm-hmm. It's that kind yeah. of weapon, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh I don't think he has any more. He, I think he has a. He might. He gets more later, but not right now. After I think after that, it's gone. But what did you guys think of the conflict he had in the in the compound? Where because when he brought the best car and everybody was watching because they saw how much it was going. They were fought, each Mandalorian was following him into there and mm-hmm. seeing what was going on. And one of them just took real offense when he saw that the best car was marked with the Imperial symbol, which I don't know why. They took the time to smell these in the bars and put a symbol on it, but whatever. I don't yeah. know gold. Maybe every gold has a symbol of whatever country did it. Anybody know? Yeah, yeah it's probably just to mark it as Empire Credits type of thing. Yeah, but they took offense because that's literally who decimated their numbers down was the Empire. Yeah, the Siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. It was, which we still don't know much about, but... Yeah, that that was pretty cool. Uh, by the way, the guy, the big Mandalorian, that yeah. was John Favreau. Okay, that's right. That, that was yep. Yeah, that was voiced by him. Voiced by him. Not yeah. there's. They had a stunt double yeah, in there. They but. had the, the same guy from uh, the first episode that mm-hmm. uh, he beat up in the bar. He stood in for him. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that was cool. That like, and and that was a very quick to get over storyline because it has one of those. Those moments later on in the episode, like yeah, Mando gets Baby Yoda back, basically kills all of them except for the Doctor and, oh, and stuff like that. It also brings another point that since uh, a lot of that best car, all the excess is saved for the younglings, the foundlings, mm-hmm. which shows the major importance that the Mandalorians put on the young. Yes. Which is what Baby Yoda is. He's a young one. So part of their culture is protecting the the, the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, that so. It's also weird to note that Mando is not actually a Mandalorian. Well, no, that's why Mandalorian is a culture. It's not a yeah, it's it's, not it's, a race. It's, but it should also be noted that like he is not Mandalorian himself. Like he was not born a Mandalorian. He was raised Mandalorian after yeah, all of that. That's actually the way most Mandalorians are brought in. Most of them are brought in from outside well, races. That's literally actually now, like, yeah, yeah, like now. But like when when Mandalore was like a still a planet uh, before the siege, you know, it was a it was a, a bustling city. Yeah, uh, but, but still, but, a, a lot of them still 
brought in other people to bring bring, bring to become Mandalorians. That's been going for thousands of years. Like they're people who are raised and then they become Mandalorians and then they are Mandalorians from then on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be more story. I think about the the past Mandalorian to come in season two. But let's talk about the big, the the act three of the episode, mm-hmm. which I did not see coming, and that is when after he gets Baby Yoda. Uh, after he gets Baby Yoda, he tries to escape and he's stopped by the guild because all the trackers are still active on Baby Yoda. And he's in a firefight and he's pinned down. And who comes to save them, save him, is, but all the other Mandalorians in like what you expect the Mandalorians to be. Like you expect like the jetpacks and, you know, all that stuff. And they come in and just are like, we're gonna, we're gonna dominate you. I love the, I love that the one who gave him shit before came in with a machine, with a, just a giant chain gun, and just like, don't worry, brother, we got you. Yeah, they got beef, but we family, so we'll protect you. Mm-hmm. And it forces them to to leave the planet. They have to leave uh, because they can no longer. They like they were there in hiding almost, and. They can't be there anymore. So, but they did it because you know this is the way. Yeah, it's the code. It's the way. It's literally they've got to protect the protect the family, protect the young, and keep the stuff going. Mm-hmm. And they they introduced a little bit of comedy into this episode. That's when you started to get a little bit more comedy into this. Like when he Mando was leaving, and one of the jetpack Mandos was flying next to him and gave him like the salute. He's like, I got to get me one of those. Like, and man, I didn't know those jetpacks go that far. Cause every time I've ever seen anyone used in any of the films or anywhere, it's like a short, like burst. It's not a long process. I'm like, Oh, it can go that high that fast. I want that one. Mm-hmm. If you've, if you've ever, wa- I don't know if you've ever watched rebels. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, there, some episodes. there are uh, when they have the Mandalorian arc in, in Rebels, they, they're literally flying around like like they're just vehicles. Okay, I missed and, that episode. Yeah, they're just flying around like they're vehicles, uh, essentially. Um, so, but that was that was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, any any last thoughts, Death Squad, on this? Uh, no, I just, you know, like I said, you know, I thought it was a good way to end to show the Mandalorians, you know, sticking together and protecting yeah. their own, you know. And like I said, you know, he's he had to escape off planet, and you know that was it. This one, yeah. We also got to see how 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 much in trouble the guild is when they're willing to put that many bounty hunters on one target. Because like me before in the other episode, you were saying like they didn't have much business, not much mm-hmm. credits are coming in. They're like. We can't let this go. We're not getting enough clients as is. And now one of our biggest clients we just had, finally one of a while, our b- best guild member just stole the package and just destroyed them. That's not good for their reputation. They're like, oh, we got we to fix this. We can't let this happen. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that's, that's our recap of episode three. Uh, let's go on to episode four, Sanctuary. Chapter 4, Sanctuary The Mandalorian heads to a low-population forest planet to hide with the child. 
While there, he discovers a proven fighter who also seems out of place. They clash as he suspects she is another bounty hunter, but instead she reveals herself to be Cara Dune, former Alliance shock trooper who is also trying to lay low. The Mandalorian leaves and heads to an even smaller village where he is welcome to hide. However, he discovers that a local warlord is terrorizing the villagers with an ATST. He recruits Kara and the two of them train the villagers to fight back against the warlord. They plan an ambush that manages to go off well, and just when it seems like the Mandalorian may have found a life for himself and the child, Kara discovers and executes a bounty hunter on the outskirts of the village. The Mandalorian heads off once again. Okay, so in this episode, we're, we introduce the first ally of the Mandalorian in an unlikely hero, kind of. An ex-rebel shock trooper turned Merc in Cara Dune, who, who also you might recognize from Deadpool. So we run into her, and they're on this, this middle-of-nowhere planet. Sorgon. I I've never heard of this planet before. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. It's like just middle of the nowhere planet, nothing really going on. Like people living with non like very basic technology, just try to really live on the land, just use what little mm-hmm. they can. Also, one thing to note is uh Cara Dune also is from Alderaan, which was destroyed mm-hmm. by the Empire, which is why she became a rebel shock trooper. Why she literally was going through trying to destroy the Empire, take down the warlords, is they blew up her, her planet. She's pretty pissed. Uh, yes. Also, it should be noted that a Cara Dune series is in the works. Like That'll be cool. That would be cool. Um, so, so, Death Squad, how are you feeling about this episode? What like I've heard mixed things about this episode from people. I mean... I didn't really care for this episode. It was kind of slow, too slow for me, except for, you know, the battle at the end, mm-hmm. you know, but what I did learn from this is like Baby Yoda's like the ultimate tension breaker. When you had Mando fighting, you know, Cardoon outside of the little uh, restaurant, you know, and then you get they're both aiming their blasters at each other. And of course, Baby Yoda's just there sipping his drink. They, com- his comedic timing is phenomenal. It was, yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> he's always freaking adorable. Oh, I love God, the use he's... of an old ATST to try to take on, like, you don't really, it's been a while since we've seen one of those, and just someone found no one's making it useful. Mm-hmm. Not in the best way possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I, uh, the, I didn't mind that they were on the planet. I mean, it's a good way to introduce Cardoon, who fits prominently into this series and it's a good way to show like how he's gone to the good side now he's yeah. he's you know i agree it's also a uh most of the other plants you've seen before were pretty barren this one had a bunch of vegetation water live ass mm-hmm. things on there so it had a lot more things going on on screen than you kind of saw before which made sense why amanda wanted to go over here he's like all right let's go to the middle of nowhere not a lot of technology. Maybe the, the guild won't find me. Nope. Those tracking fobs are really dang good. How did you, and um, I want both of you to answer this. How did you guys feel about Mando having a love interest? Like, out of nowhere. Like, mm. a love interest. 
I wasn't really into it. Like, I, I don't mind love interest. It just felt kind of, it wasn't introduced properly is what I feel. I agree. It felt kind of forced. It's like someone that, yeah, I understand, you know, he just saved you, but it didn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one thing that is is not mentioned or not thought of. They were actually there for a significant amount of time. Yeah, at least a few weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. because after the thing, it's like uh, Cara Dune had says something about uh, a few a couple weeks ago during the attack or whatever. So they were probably on that planet for three ish weeks, um, which you know. He planned on leaving Baby Yoda there until the bounty hunter came and Cara Dune had to, sh- to kill him. I, I did really enjoy them showing him with his helmet off for a little bit. Just like the helmet. Not, so you don't see his face still. But it was kind of cool seeing like, okay, he does take it off to eat. I was kind of wondering about that. Like, how do you eat if you don't take your helmet off? <laughs> yeah, no one has seen him without his helmet since he has been a child. Mm-hmm. So... Biggs want to to ask, why the hell do they have a a, a named actor playing him? <laughs> yes. And do you think Pedro Pascal actually even has to be on set? I yeah. was thinking that today too. Like, like could he just do voice work? Yeah. Did he walk around in that armor all day? But actually, I prefer the helmet being on because the image of the Mandalorian is more awesome. Like person without the helmet off. I'm like, mm, not as exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. I like the mysterious, the wondering, like, that was one of the cool things about Boba Fett is literally, it's a mysterious guy in a helmet. Yeah. And it's it's a distinct helmet, too. I mean, you see that, you know, you the notice t- the, it. Yeah, the T-shape, you know, it's yeah. definitely a Mandalorian. That's literally why the clone troopers from the original, from the prequel series had T-shape is because they were all made from a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Django Fett. Yep. So yeah, it's 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 okay. It further alongs it, it this episode was all about introducing Cara Dune and humanizing the Mandalorian. Like I, I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh I I could have done without the um the the love story. Didn't really yeah. fit. Unless they yeah. go back to it at some point. Yeah. If they go back to it at some point, then fine. So, uh, any other things you guys want to say about Chapter 4, The Sanctuary? No, I'm good. Uh, I think what else I can think. No, I think I'm good. All right. Now, let's go into the next one, which I actually have a lot of thoughts on. So, Episode 5, or Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. The Mandalorian heads to Tatooine for ship repairs. Well, there, he leaves the child in the care of a rough yet kindly mechanic. He heads to the cantina where he is accosted by a young, fresh bounty hunter named Toro Calican who wants to go after Fennec Shan, another rogue bounty hunter like the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian reluctantly agrees to help the kid, so they head out into the dunes together. After negotiating with some Tusken raiders, they locate Shan's hideout and come up with a plan to catch her, which they manage to do successfully. However, the Mandalorian's speeder bike is shot, and they need a way to get back to town. The Mandalorian heads off to get a do-back, leaving Calican with Shan alone. She explains to him that the Mandalorian is also a wanted man after he took the child on Navarro, 
and the young hunter kills her as he decides to claim the prize on the Mandalorian for himself. Mandalorian returns to find that Calican has kidnapped the child and taken over the garage with his ship. Mandalorian manages to use a flash charger to disorient Calican enough to shoot and kill him, and he gets his ship repaired and heads off with the child once more. Okay, so we go back to the most familiar planet in Star Wars history. What's that? Tatooine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are back in Tatooine in Mos Eisley. And, you know, well, first off, the Mandalorian was started off by getting attacked uh, in the ship. And and so it's a typical dogfight in, in space type of thing. Uh, and his ship gets damaged. That's why he has to land on Tatooine. Pretty cool dogfight, though. I really enjoyed that. Yes, yes. That was pretty good. Now, when you you get a new character when, when he lands, and that is the mechanic. And I'm trying to remember who that was. Mm, Amy like, Sedaris. Yeah. Okay, so she was uh, she's from Strangers with Candy. That's why she's familiar. Yes. That makes sense. So she was... Uh, uh, yeah, like she was like the the hard but lovable mechanic where he landed, and she was doing like she had she was in charge with her and her droids, uh, to repair the ship and, and whatnot. But Mandalorian didn't tell her that Baby Yoda was on board. Mm-hmm. And also, what kind of droids were those? Oh, what were they? They're the droids that were from the we remember seeing in Episode One with the, when they were repairing the pods, the pod mm-hmm. racers. Yeah, it was it was the annoying little ones. Yeah, the ones you got to punch in the nose to make them fold up. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that was a mm, pass. And they couldn't be they couldn't be used because Mandalorian does not like droids. Can't imagine why. Right. It's like he has he has a thing against droids. Understandable. Droids yeah. killed his family and everyone he knew. But so she she gets she like kind of mothers baby yoda which i think was pretty cool and charges the mandalorian extra for every babe for babysitting duty mm-hmm. that you totally it was not enjoying at all no gonna make, yeah. make money somehow <laughs> twist um, my arm i don't you to, to, to take care of this adorable little green thing yeah and then he goes to the cantina where nothing good ever happens Mm-mm, nothing ever good happens no. you meet annoying people Yes, you do. And he meets uh, Toro Calician, I think was the, as how you pronounce it, a, a young bounty hunter who wants to get into the guild. And he wants help with a bounty, uh, a capturing like one of the most deadly assassins played by, um, God, what is her name? That's uh, Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen, who uh, uh, Marvel, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, or Mulan. Uh, the animated Mulan, not not the new Mulan. And, and uh, I, I, I mean, from the get go, I I knew that that this this bounty hunter, this young gun, is gonna screw him over. Like I just got that feeling. I'm like, this is just a slime ball. It, it, I mean, okay, so basically, he, he they have to go out into the desert and. Essentially, you get the um, the Anakin Kenobi, I have the high ground moment 
where they have to sit and wait till nightfall because she has the high ground and she sees them and, and everything. So they wait for nightfall, all that stuff. And they get her and, you know. Yeah, I, li- I like the fact in this that, it, that he was, even though he's no longer part of the guild, since the guy's still a newbie, he's still like, still kind of respects the guild. He's like, okay, I'll show you the ropes. I'll try to pass on my knowledge to you so you can at least not die. So it seemed, at least, you know, in the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of like, okay, I, I, I don't like how this was handled. Now, we're going to see more of her in the show. Like, she will probably be playing a pretty prominent role in season two. Well, like, one thing that's not nice to know about the her character is she's one of the first Asian Star Wars villains they've ever had in the series. Is she a villain? She's marked as a villain, actually, in Wikipedia. Currently marked as a villain. Currently. The, currently. I'm not sold that she is going to be a villain. I, I, I'm i just not. Like, I think she, I think, because Mando was technically a villain. Bounty yeah, Hunters t- are technically villains. I think, I think she could, like, it all depends on who approaches her towards the end. At well, the end also, of yeah, the episode. It depends on change because, like, right now for this episode, she's a villain. It's a conflict they're fighting against each other. But that can always change. I mean, she's not doing anything wrong. There's a bounty out for her, and all she's trying to do is protect herself. So, like, as as far as we've seen, she has done nothing to be a villain except try and survive. Well, she is technically a villain because she is a female assassin for the crime syndicates. Literally, not really a good person. She's killing people for for criminals. So you know, like, oh, should I feel bad for you? You probably killed a lot of innocent people to help the huts and everything else get their their goddamn credits. She could be an anti-hero type of type of person. Yeah. Well, she can make a change. That's very fine. But like, Lily, it wasn't like this is like some innocent person. They're hunting down for a bounty. She's done some shitty stuff. Oh yeah. Or she refused to do any more, and they put out a bounty for her. And that could be fair. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, she'll be back. Um, did you guys catch the biggest Easter egg of them all in this episode? Uh, which one? The, uh, the one where they show Boba Fett. No, I did not. There is a scene where you see Boba Fett in the background. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, like uh, it's it's they 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 don't say it's Boba Fett, but it's got the uh, uh, the coloration the the same. Like I'm posting it in our chat right now. That is a screen capture from the from. Oh, okay. Episode five. That's that's Boba Fett. That's Boba Fett in the background. That's that's not from that's not from episode five. That's from earlier on. Okay, they're saying that it was episode five. That's why I went with that. I don't remember seeing it. Look at the armor. That is his. That's actually oh, that's from earlier. The, that's the first ep, first and second episode armor. So, oh yeah, I guess that would be. Yeah, that okay. might that might have actually been on the ice planet. We should go double check on that. Yeah. Um. So maybe I don't know. Uh, what if it was Boba Fett that came up on on her? That that actually, I was suspecting there'd be Boba Fett and that he'd be showing up in 
the next episode, but that just didn't happen. Yeah. Now I know, and and spoilers, spoilers, spoilers um, for well, a recap episode. Spoilers for season two. Is oh, okay. it is rumored that Boba Fett will be in season two? Now, how um, big of a party is he going to be? We'll find out. Yes, he could be nothing. He could just be a one-off. Like, like there's a lot coming out. Like next week, we'll do like our our season two breakdown kind of things. But you know, it's it's there's going to be some surprises, some old faces that we see. But yeah, like Boba definitely. And yeah, it's yeah. I really want to see if if he actually interacts with the rest of the Mandalorian clan. If he's also buying into that or not, because like in some of the old old expanded universe stuff, he became Mandalore, became the next Mandalore. But I don't know what Disney's going to go with it or what they're going to allow. So find out, you know. Yeah, there's one person I want in charge of anything Star Wars at this point is it's Dave Filoni. Why is that? Because he's done the best best with any Star Wars. He's the person who was in charge of the Clone Wars, uh, in charge of Rebels, uh, all of that. Like he is the one who has created the best storyline for Star Wars uh, since the original trilogy. Yeah, I can appreciate because it it's not. It doesn't feel corny, is one thing I like about his stuff. Mm-hmm. Like some of the older stuff and some of the newer stuff gets kind of corny and cringy. Yeah, but these have it, just been very enjoyable, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Well, I agree. So, and then we we do see the Mandalorian end up killing the dude, the the young whatever uh, Kelsian. Well, I mean that's what happens when you hold Baby Yoda hostage. Yeah, you don't you don't screw with Baby Yoda. No, dad dad is mad. Dad is gonna protect his kid. Mm -hmm. But and then that's the perfect way. He just stole the money from him, paid off the mechanic, and I'm on my way. On my way to the next episode. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, it's definitely you know we're we're really getting into the the buildup now of what the, where are like at this point I remember thinking, what are they building up to other than he's just trying to protect Baby Yoda? Like where are they going to go with this? And at this point, I still have no idea what they're doing. Like, they're just hopping at this point from planet to planet, like, wondering what the hell's going on. And, you know, it's... Also, one part I forgot about that I'm going to bring up. Are we sure that Finnex going to come back? Because didn't she get shot by uh, Calician at the end of the episode? She did. And then as she's lying there, a mysterious figure walks above her, like a shadow comes over her. So somebody came to her. So we're assuming she might be she might have been saved and put in a back tank or something. Kept that alive. is what I'm thinking. Because what's the point of showing that if they're just kind of like they're just going to kill her off? What's the point of that scene? And I, I feel that they're not going to show something like that if they don't have a plan for it. They don't seem like they're going to show just random things that doesn't go anywhere. I don't get that feeling with them, especially in this show. Yeah. Although we've seen other shows do that. Lost. Yeah. Let's not bring <laughs> up Lost. Uh, yeah, like, overall, this was great. Uh, and Okay, 
one other subject that I, I want to ask about uh, to you guys is, do you like, in the age of binging, do you like that some of these shows are doing weekly releases again? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, because- I do. I don't want to watch it all in one night. I yeah. like that I could, you know, anticipate, get excited for it for a week before, you know. And then you, usually when you do that, you'll be able to rewatch an episode and find something you forgot. When you mm-hmm. just binge it all, there's stuff like, oh yeah. Like you'll just, you'll watch it and just completely forget about it because you're not analyzing. You're like, I'll oh, just go to the next episode. What matters if I'm, there's no reason to think about it. You don't, I feel like you don't like, uh, make theories or any kind of questions. You just kind of just watch it and you're done. I I mean, I like it to some degree. I Now on Disney, I hope they don't do that with every single show. Like every Marvel show they do. Like every, all of those. I don't know if I'm a fan of that. Um, I guess it'd be fine because they're only doing like 10 episodes, 8 episodes, 10 episodes instead of like 24 episodes. So... But yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season too. Um, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. We still got and then we still got some more of season one we get to analyze next episode. Mm-hmm. And we're getting into my favorite episode uh, next week. See, there uh, you the, go. The one with a special with a special actor or something. Yeah, you know. We'll see. We'll we'll <laughs> find out next week. Yeah. I just I can't get over how like how good the directors are like how good like star directors that they got for this like you're talking dave filoni directed bryce dallas howard directed who if you don't know who that is that's ron howard's daughter also she's a movie star she's the one in jurassic uh world she's she's a female lead in that okay yeah like so like now you know her but she's also ron howard's daughter you have uh rick I'm going to screw up the last name, Fami Yiwa. Uh, he is the director of the Flash movie that's coming out for DC with Ezra Miller. And then you have Deborah Chow, who has done, like, she's won, she's won multiple international film awards for her movies. Uh, the Hill, Day Pass. So, like, they have an all-star cast of directors. And, Taiki, and uh, uh, Taika Watiti also yeah. was a director. Yeah, so like, I mean, if you don't know him, he directed Thor Ragnarok, uh, and you know he's he's probably the hottest director out there right now. So, and they have all these people coming in to direct a TV episode, uh, written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So, like, the amount of star power behind the camera that they have is insane, mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be the same for next season. Uh, they, you know, it's you know, Favreau is Dave Filoni writing and directing. They haven't listed all the directors yet. Um, but you, oh, actually, they have. Carl Weathers is going to direct one. Um, a, a guy named I don't know Robert Rodriguez. I don't. <laughs> he's done. Let's see. Uh, he's doing the new Predator. He's done Machete. Uh, let's see from Dust Till Dawn, Sin City. You know, he's going to be directing in season two. Uh, so that's awesome. Peyton Reed is going to be out there who did Bring It mm-hmm. On, which is possibly which, one of my favorite shitty 90s movies of all time. And he also did Ant-Man. So I think we, I think we can get to more of that on our next episode, though, because we're yeah 
About time, my friend. Oh god, I got cut off by the Kurabara. Kura's on Kura's on Kura's on the show to keep me in line. Otherwise, three hours later is gonna happen. Yes. So uh do you guys have any finishing uh, thoughts? No, I'm good. Uh, no? All right, then let's close this thing up. So uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, you can follow Mash Those Buttons over at The Mash Network. Uh, Kura, where can they find you on social media? You'll find me on social media. You can find me on my Twitter account at Kurabaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S. And uh, that's all I got for socials. What you got for us, Def Squad? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Death Squad and the number zero. Okay. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, and that's at, at Ednar83, or I, I do stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ednar. Uh, and then you can join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord to chit-chat with us about Star Wars, Mandalorian, Apex, Overwatch, anything we anything really, over at discord.me slash Mash Those Buttons. Uh, make sure to share the show with others and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be very much appreciated. Uh, if you do want to show support for the, the show and the community, you can so by becoming a Patreon over at patreon.com slash mash those buttons. Tiers and content available for as little as $1 a month. Uh, we also have a Teespring store at teespring.com slash stores slash mash those buttons where you can go and get that merch. Uh, please merch, stay merch, 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 merch. Uh, please stay tuned after the show to hear about all the other wonderful shows that we have on our network, including Dropping Spicy, uh, which me and Kara do. A little plug in there. Uh, got, some, got, got some push to point action and some uh, World of Warcraft and some other fun stuff. Yes, uh, I have spoken. Good night, all. Bye. This is the way. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 